a big thank you to Carrie and her team for their faithful leading of us in worship this morning. It's always such a blessing to share in these baptism Sundays, these moments of special celebration in the church. And today marks a special day on multiple fronts. We celebrate with the Urquhart family at the baptism of your youngest sister, daughter, granddaughter. And we also celebrate with the church around the world on Palm Sunday of 2021. And it shouldn't come as a surprise that I get to occupy this pulpit on Palm Sunday. This now, I believe, marks five of the last six Palm Sundays that I've gotten to preach. And I just couldn't help but notice as um, we sung that uh, our worship teams are so careful in the songs that they choose. And today we got to sing Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest, just as the people did as Christ entered Jerusalem triumphantly some 2,000 and some years ago. Hosanna translates from the Hebrew, save we pray. So with that in mind, let's pray together to the God who saves. Our God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather this morning that we gather in safety, that we gather with brothers and sisters whom we love, that we can celebrate and rejoice and encourage with one another, and that we have the opportunity to glorify and honor a God who has revealed himself to us by his word. Lord, we pray for those around the world who don't have the opportunities that we do we think of our brothers and sisters in Myanmar as they have encountered such difficulty over the last months. We just pray for safety and health for those in that country. Pray for our brothers and sisters in around the world in Vancouver and in Colorado particularly this week that have suffered at the hands of men that do not recognize the value of the lives that you have given to your people. But Lord, you have cared for and protected us, and we ask that you would continue to do so. We thank you that we can celebrate this baptism together as a family, even in the midst of what we hope is the tail end of this COVID season that we have been in as a church. And Lord, as we spend time in your word, we ask that you would strengthen and encourage your people, that you would equip us to do the work of ministry as we go from this place. And Lord, we pray that the baptism that we have gotten to celebrate this morning and that we have gotten to share with the world via our online presence, we ask that that would be a drama that would display the gospel to all who would see and all who would hear and that some might be encouraged and even come to know you by the time of worship that we've had here together as brothers and sisters we thank you for these things and pray them in Jesus name Amen
So me preaching on Palm Sunday has almost never been done intentionally. I just seem to come up in the rotation around this time, and when Jim and I realized that I was preaching this Sunday and that we had a baptism planned for today, he asked me, so Palm Sunday and a baptism, how are you going to tie those two together in your message? And honestly, he asked, and I had no idea at first, but when I began to think about Palm Sunday and baptism, there emerged in my mind some important crossovers that I wanted to point out this morning. Just a little background on Palm Sunday. We remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, his last entry into Jerusalem, and it's one of the relatively few instances that is recorded all the way through all four Gospels. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt, and we are told in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 36 and following, as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road, As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This was a joyous celebration of King Jesus, worshiping him. And today as we meet, we again celebrate that Jesus is Lord. And in baptism, we do the same. We celebrate with Rob and Lynn, and particularly with Robin, that this young woman is obeying Christ's command, and that she has set forth her identification with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Robin has, in dramatic form, already displayed the gospel for us this morning. Robin has not been silent about her commitment to wholeheartedly follow her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So while Baptism Sunday and Palm Sunday are both celebrations of Christ and his faithfulness, I do want to go further than that. As A pastor, myself, and pastors, and Jim and I, we get to be involved in some of the most important and the most obviously sacred moments of a person's life. We get to be involved in marriage ceremonies, in the dedication of children, and baptisms in particular. And these events become the source of some of our greatest joys as a pastor. Robin's going to feel like I'm picking on her today just because she got baptized this morning, but I've gotten to see Robin come all the way up through our children's ministry and youth ministry over the last five years, and now to see her getting baptized is a great joy in my life and my ministry. So we get to be involved in all of these important spiritual milestones, and it is great joy, but unfortunately they can also become the source of some sincere heartache. I love seeing a man and a woman commit to selflessly loving one another before Christ all the days that they are given. It warms my heart to see parents coming before their church 
and committing to raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And to see a believer come before the church and proclaim their faith before the gathered congregation is truly a blessing. But when marriages fall apart or parents start to shirk their duty to raise their children or a person who has publicly confessed their faith in baptism turns their back on God, obviously it hurts. As pastors, we do our best to prepare individuals and to advise them of the importance and the gravity of the decisions that they're making. And to see them throw that to the wind for whatever reason is cause for real sorrow. Palm Sunday was a huge celebration of the king who comes in the name of the Lord. But less than a week later, these crowds would no longer be laying down palm branches before Christ. Instead, they would find themselves spitting on him on the way to Golgotha. They wouldn't be worshiping Christ, disregarding the indignation of the Pharisees. Instead, they would be choosing the release of a murderer over the release of Christ at the urging of the Pharisees. In less than a week, the tides turn from jubilation and worship to hatred and mockery. So yes, Palm Sunday is a day of celebration, but in hindsight, there's a bit of a cloud over that celebration. The one being celebrated would be murdered just days later. And my point in bringing this up on Palm Sunday and Baptism Sunday is this, is that in our lives, the tides can turn very quickly. We can go from these spiritual mountaintops to the darkest spiritual valleys in the blink of an eye. And only by God's grace can we avoid the mistake that the crowd seemed to have made in Palm Sunday. Whether wedding or dedication or baptism or otherwise, we cannot become spiritually complacent in our celebration. And also there's a reason that we don't celebrate these weddings, these dedications, these baptisms privately. This matter of guarding against our own fickle and wicked sin natures is a private and a corporate matter. It's a job for the individual and for the church. When someone baptized in this church turns their back on the church and on the things of God, it is obviously a personal matter for them to make themselves right with God and his church but it is also the responsibility of the church to pursue and to exhort and to correct and to encourage that person. Nobody should be able to just slip away unnoticed from a church that claims to be committed to care for their brothers and their sisters in their midst. Think of your own personal families. You wouldn't let your brother or your sister, or your son, or your daughter, or your mother, or your father, walk away from your family without confrontation. Why would it be any different in the church? And notice I didn't specify that it is the job of the pastors, or the elders, or the deacons of the church to make sure that these people are cared for. 
Certainly there are situations that call for the involvement of church leadership, but on the whole, no one among us should ever be allowed to reach that place of turning our backs on the commitments we've made to and before the church without one of our brothers and our sisters sitting here this morning and joining us online having the courage to confront the issue at hand in our lives. And I am just as guilty of this. Too often we hope that someone else will deal with it. And by the time it comes to an elder or a deacon or the pastors, things have blown far more out of hand than is necessary. I've always loved that quote from Ben Franklin that many of us know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And granted, in that context, he's talking about fire safety, but it, it applies here just as aptly. How do we both individually and as a church pursue that prevention rather than the cure? What is our best course to avoid having to chase someone down who's already left the church rather than caring for them while they're still here in it? And first and foremost, we have to recognize we're not God. No amount of preventative steps will change the course that God has determined. We are not the masters of the fates of the people around us. The, we are still called to care for one another, however. So while trusting that God is sovereign over all things and knowing that his will will be accomplished, what should we do? It seems simplistic, and perhaps it is, but I keep coming back to the first and second greatest commandments as identified by Christ when he was asked in Matthew 22. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? That's what Jesus said to him. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The most important thing we can do personally and as a church to avoid the mistakes of those who have forsaken their covenants with Christ and made by the crowds on Palm Sunday is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. I want you to Take a second and read with me Psalm 103. This psalm is a psalm of David, and it's one of personal praise and personal thanksgiving. This is a man who genuinely loves the Lord. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. 
He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I don't know about you, but to me this doesn't sound like a man who, if he is being sincere in his heart, it doesn't sound like a man who is in immediate danger of falling away from the faith. This is a man who loves the Lord and knows why he loves him. He looks on his life and the history of the world, and he sees God at work in every single part. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, because he knows who God is. Beloved, I doubt that the crowds could have imagined what they would be doing just days later after the triumphal entry of Christ. And people don't generally get baptized or married or dedicate their children with this idea that they will turn away from God in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. If you want to do everything in your power to see yourself fulfilling the covenants that you've made before God, then you must get to know Him. Treasure up the testimony of Scripture. Spend time in prayer with him. Read the accounts of holy men and women who have come before you, who have seen their lives dramatically altered by the work of God. Dive into theology that seems too great and too wonderful for you to ever fully comprehend because it will teach you of a God who is too great and too wonderful for you to ever fully comprehend. And this one might seem simple, but come to church. And particularly for those of you joining us online, come to church. It is a great blessing that we can share this worship service with people online who can't be here for one reason or another, whether they're working or they're shut in or what have you. But 
the same level of encouragement and care of the body of Christ can't be exercised through the internet. So join with us here. In the context of the church, the body of Christ, that holy family that God has placed you for your good and for his glory, God will equip and teach you. In the right churches, you will be fed on a diet of God's holy word. And you will have the opportunities to love your neighbors as you love yourself, even as they love you. We heard Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6, read earlier in the service. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Again, picking on Robin because she was just baptized, but as she walks out the faith that she is declared by her baptism this morning, she should be learning to love the Lord with all of her being by getting to know who he is and what he's done. And she should be learning to love others as herself by the example of those that she sees doing that around her. She should be seeing the saints of Elk Point Baptist Church walking in a manner worthy of the calling that they've been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And never should there be a moment where Robin has the option of walking away from her commitment that she has made here before all of us today. She should never have the option to walk away from that uncontested. We have to love her enough as a church, love each other enough as a church to hold one another accountable because there is only one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That responsibility falls first and foremost to Robin's parents to strengthen and exhort and teach her in that way. But one beautiful thing about us being the church is it's not just them. They aren't her only family. Her grandparents aren't her only family. She has an entire family of believers here in Elk Point Baptist Church. And every one of us should be on the lookout for the lives of each other, the spirits of each other, and going, I know that you came before us and committed to live a life that is honoring to Christ. What's going on? I can think of no more difficult thing to have to do as a brother than to go and confront a brother or a sister about something I see going on in their lives. And we have to do it with utmost care and concern and love. And recognizing that we first are in need of that care. 
no one, not us, not them, not anyone, comes to the Father except through Christ. So brothers and sisters, make it your commitment this morning to be more than just a passive attendee of Elk Point Baptist Church. Commit yourself to be an active part of the family here at Elk Point Baptist Church, of the church here. Commit to be a real and active and vital follower of Christ who loves the Lord with your whole heart. Get to know God on a real and personal level, not secondhand. It is all well and good you hearing the sermons that are preached from up here or the Bible studies that we get to join in throughout the week or Bible studies we get to listen to online, but none of that can be a substitute for personal time in the Word, getting to know the God who loves you. In doing so, you become the kind of believer that will be an encouragement to your brothers and your sisters around you, the ones who look up to you, and find brothers and sisters around you in the church that you look up to. Paul says to the people that are reading him, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Look around you at the saints that share this church with you and go, how can I imitate the way that they're imitating Christ? And don't be swayed from your devotion to Christ as the crowds were in Jerusalem. Keep the faith and stand firm on the rock of your salvation, who is Jesus Christ. And please, please, if you see a brother or a sister who is wavering in their walk, do not hesitate to come to them in love and check on them. Don't go, that might be a job. I, I should tell the elders about this. I should tell the deacons or the pastors. I should tell... If you are a part of a person's life and you see something going on in their life, God has equipped you to come to them. God has given you the in. Use it. As we celebrate another Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Christ, as we celebrate the baptism of Robin Urquhart, let us be reminded to do all we can to stand firm in the faith that God has given us and to help our brothers and sisters to do the same. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love that we can celebrate these great moments together as a family. That nothing we do in our walk of faith is to be done alone. And we pray that we would encourage one another to walk daily in the faith that we have committed to. And God, if there is anybody here who is here today or is listening online who has not taken the step of obedience that is baptism, I ask that you would be at work in their hearts and their lives. 
even as you use Sam as a catalyst in Robin's life, we just ask that you would help people to recognize and be aware of the importance of obedience to your command. That we be baptized as an example of what you have done. That we proclaim publicly the faith that you have worked in our hearts. And God, I pray that no one who is here today, baptized or unbaptized, would have the opportunity of slipping away unnoticed. That we might love one another enough that we might recognize that we are a family who you have put together. That we would care enough to care for one another. And Lord, as we go from here, may we proclaim your gospel in all that we say and do. Even as your gospel was proclaimed in the baptism this morning, we pray that that would be explained and walked out and displayed to all who would hear and all who would listen. Lord, we thank you for the church. We thank you for your glory and your goodness and your character. And we pray that you would help us to daily know you more, to daily seek your truth and your word, and to spend time in prayer. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our benediction this morning is from Jude 1. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.